Hi, I'm Big Nkrumah. And I'm Audio Nerd 64. And we are your gamers. Game friends. Game friends. Oh, we did It's a new one. I was trying to. Game friends. Didn't work out. I just look stupid. Um, What are we talking about this week? <sighs> well, other than your stupidity, we are logging on with Borderlands 3. Epic Game Store Fallout, mm. some Assassin's Creed rumors via The Division 2, Ooh. Nintendo VR, and I don't know if you saw this, but mm. there was a little bit of an article, <laughs> uh, you know, some might call it a studio ender. Wow. Um, don't bury the lead. Anthem gotta... in trouble. Anthem is, hmm. we didn't have to tell you that, but, hmm. you know. Whatever. <laughs> In these past two weeks of nerddom, we're talking Shazam, Shira, and we're getting to these past two weeks of Marvel as per usual with Captain Marvel. Some controversy with my girl Brie and Endgame. Indeed. Finally, we are on a roll. Got some guests for you. We're talking the division. It's going to be a good conversation. It's a lot of fun. You should check it out. Agreed. Yeah, we don't want to bury that lead for you. It's a total surprise, unless you read the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's log on. Uh, Borderlands 3, it's a thing. It is a thing. It's real. It's coming. It's confirmed. We've seen some gameplay. It looks like fun. I might want to pick this one up. I think I'm going to be obliged to pick it up. Um, I haven't played the first two, which I know is kind of sacrilege because looter shooters are kind of my fave. Well, what better time to add to your list of looter shooters than the near future? That's true. Uh, I am uh, one down. There is a spot open. And (laughs) so... Actually, you have two slots to fill Destiny 2 and Anthem. That's not true. I am still intending to play Destiny 2. <laughs> there it is. No, it's it's not even like that. Really, really. It's I mean, like that for me, shit. It's, it's a solid <laughs> game. I love it a lot. It's just that Division 2 is perfect. That's right. It is game of the year. Yeah. Anyway, the announcement wasn't without some fraught uh shenanigans i will say ooh i love drama give it to me give me the drama um yeah the announcement itself was just kind of a mess they were <laughs> just not stage ready it was not a steve jobs performance if uh you know what i mean okay okay uh you know i'm not i'm going to going to knock them too hard because mm-hmm. it happened a little bit ago and we're just kind of uh playing catch up on <laughs> on this news. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's bigger fish to fry in the Borderlands world. Okay. Uh, namely, that it is an Epic Game Store exclusive. exclusive. Exclusive, exclusive. Really, really, really giving Steam a run for their money. And it is thoroughly pissing people off. Hell hath no fury. I know. Than an angry PC gamer, I swear. Oh, I just... So embarrassing. <laughs> It's a it's a lot. It's, Listen, it's a lot. All of Steam's skeeviness aside, mm-hmm. if you can put it aside, because the last well, thing is pretty fucking skeevy. Yeah, we really can't. It's kind of hard to do that. If you can do that, um, I would still be a little concerned 
about just jumping ship and going to Epic Game Store or Origin or what have you? I mean, do you have to jump ship? I feel like you could just... Can't you just buy the game through the... It's not like a subscription thing. No, but here's the thing. If you're going to be spending a lot of time in that game, like I expect a lot of people Uh, are planning to spend in Borderlands, some of the features of Steam that are just not there in the Epic Game Store are going to be sorely missed. And if you don't have things like chat integration and this robust you know, economy of mods that are just really built in. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It 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 seems to me as though um this could become a bigger issue than maybe even I thought. Um the strategy really does seem to be that Epic just snatches up all these exclusives and locks Steam out and forces people to do uh what they want to do and and I I'm just a little, uh, just a little worried, because uh, gamers can be really intense about this kind of stuff. That's true. Isn't it only like a six month exclusivity as well? It's like not they're not locked out for forever. No, if you really feel that. But I think for a know. lot of them, it's the principle of the thing, and they're not just holding Epic accountable. They're also holding Gearbox accountable and holding all of these different game studios that are choosing to do an exclusive deal with Epic. Uh, you know, they're getting review bombed. Like Borderlands Three is being review bombed right now, mm-hmm. and it has it's not even close to coming out yet. We have all summer. I think the release date is in October. I actually don't know off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I mean. Ah, it sucks. Uh, I am, you know, a lower class uh, <laughs> console player, so I don't have to deal with this. Well, we have to deal with it, just not in the same way. We have to deal with PlayStation exclusives, and oh, true, true, true. Uh, there's DLC that is timed exclusive. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're tr- that's right. I don't know. I don't have a good thought on this. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know. I feel like companies should have the flexibility to do whatever exclusive shit that they want. But, you know, it is added inconvenience to players. But I I do not have a fully formed opinion on this yet. Yeah. I feel like I started out from a purely mocking them perspective. And I do still think that it's really overblown. Uh, But the more I think about it, the more, like, Imagine if a game came out for Xbox and you could play it, but you couldn't use Xbox Live features with it. Like, that would be really annoying. You're like, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. I would be really pissed off about that, actually. Hmm. So, uh, more than anything, maybe Epic needs to get their shit together and use some of their probably billions of dollars at this point um, to, I don't know, add some features to your store. So that you're that's the more thing. of a but then competitor I'm always for like, real? Yeah. But then I'm always like, you can just run Discord right next to it. Yeah, but like, again, I know it would not, be annoying to, yeah. have to do that kind of stuff if it was on Xbox. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, something to think about. Something to think about. Also, I looked it up and the release date is September 13th. You were close. Yeah, close enough. Close enough. Next up, uh, I did not find this, and I did not see it uh, until it was reported. Apparently, there's an Easter egg in The Division 2 in one of the final missions where there's a guy who kind of looks like he could be from Scandinavia in the Viking era, 
holding what looks a lot like an apple of Eden, which would put the Division world and the Assassin's Creed world in the same universe, which seems very interesting to me. Oh, boy. (laughs) It's like literally your two favorite franchises. Listen, if there was a crossover game between Assassin's Creed and Division 2, I don't know if I would ever play anything else. (laughs) Can you imagine? We would just have to, the whole podcast would shift to just exclusively talking about that. It would have to be another podcast. I would just have to do two. Like a spinoff? Yeah, a spinoff where all I talk about is this hypothetical crossover game. Who are you going to recruit for your co-host? Or would it just be you? Why do I need a co-host? I get to have a guest every week. Oh, oh, look at you. Oh. Playing with format. Yes. Um, Anyway, uh, (laughs) I thought it was going to be Japan. We all did. I thought that was the rumor. Yeah, I, 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 who is this Norse motherfucker? I don't know. It looked like all of the hints that were given in the Assassin's Creed game itself were pointing toward an Egyptian, Greek, and then Japanese game. Maybe they're just doing this to fuck with y'all. It's very possible, or it's possible that the Norse or like Viking one is after the Japanese one. Like that's been done before. Like there was a poster for Destiny in Halo. Uh, what was the one about the normal people? ODST. (laughs) (laughs) There was? Yeah, there was. Like, did it say Destiny on the poster? It did. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. Well, these two games are not going to experience a crossover. But they are going to experience a new reality. Oh, my God. A virtual Stop it. We <laughs> virtual reality. Stop it. Uh both game of the years. <laughs> that joke will make more sense later. Uh Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. Odyssey was not a game of the year. No, it was not a game of the year. For I for some people I'm sure it was, but yeah, not yeah. just it was Fair it's enough. not heralded as Fair enough. You know, in the canon of one of Game of the Year <laughs> games. Uh it's getting VR. From Nintendo Labo. So I know last when we when the news about the VR first popped up, we were like, ugh. But now that I know the games, I would like to see it. Yeah. I feel as though these are pretty ambitious games to put in VR. Um, one of the things that I've heard from people who play a lot of VR is that there is a problem with immersion and like being in VR for too long is like not good and like kind of messes with you a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Breath of the Wild is a game that I would imagine you sit down and play for a few hours. It doesn't seem to me to be a pick up and play for five minutes kind of game. Like what? Yeah, no. Because like, you know, it's kind of like Red Dead or Assassin's Creed in that that way. So I'm not knocking it. Like, like you said, I would like to see it. I'm, like, willing to put the cardboard on my head. I feel like these, like, a Red Dead VR would be a lot more intense than a Breath of the Wild VR. Because it's a totally different animation style. It's not hyper-realistic. I mean, yeah, there's going to be, like, that, ooh, I'm in VR. But I don't know. Maybe you don't... Maybe that also plays a role in it. Because I feel like a lot of VR experiences are, like, you're actually flying into the volcano. Or you're swimming with the manta rays and the seals or whatever but not here's like yeah. you know ganondorf and he looks cartoony <laughs> or like here's yoshi's just 
space Yoshi. I mean, I will say I think that VR games have gone a little bit beyond maybe what you're thinking of them. Uh, I was thinking of VR experiences in general, not the games themselves. Fair enough. Fair enough. Either way, I I am intrigued that they feel confident enough to put a game like Breath of the Wild on VR for that. Yeah, and I can't imagine this thing will be super expensive either. It might be a nice entry point for VR. Maybe a more accessible one because the games are so much fun and loved. Yeah. As opposed to like Oculus's thing. I'm still skeptical, but I I I do think that's what's going to happen. Um yeah, you know, I, I that's where I stand. I'm going to do the Monique. I would like to see it. See. You. Okay. Yeah. Something I don't want to see Mm. Is anyone from Bioware talking about <laughs> anything anymore, ever? <laughs> I, I don't follow all them niggas on Twitter. I the don't care. The formally known as Bioware. <laughs> oh, don't, don't say. <laughs> um, literally any sort of recap of the Kotaku piece that ripped Bioware several new assholes would not do it justice. It would not. And I've watched several attempts. <laughs> You you just can't. Uh, uh, I, you have to go read just, this article. It's long. It's gonna know. take you a half hour, but you need to go read it. Just read it. I'm look. It took. I had to go back and forth, you know, because social media makes our attention spans really short now. Um, but I got through it, and whew, I. It's shocking. It is. It's gross. It's bad. And you know, and the thing is too. Uh, so my opinion has been going back and forth on this piece. Uh, on the surface level, it's, you know, this is what Bioware has been like for the, like, I don't know, the past maybe five uh, five to ten years. It's basically why Anthem... At least seven. At least seven. Uh, this is why Anthem was a big old flop. <sighs> um, but some people described it as, like, a hit piece. Eh, or, like, people are, like, trying mm, to make a decision between it being a hit... The described it as a hit piece. <laughs> I, and I've also seen some people describe it as a hit piece, and I don't know. I in what way? Well, I saw that like you know one of the arguments was that a lot of the people who that were talked about were um, anonymous, except for like one executive. And I was like, well, if people sign NDAs, they sign NDAs. Like I'm not. <laughs> people aren't. It's not even about NDAs. They don't have unions. You don't get protected from retaliation. Well, that too. There's nothing that says they don't have a rule that says you can't talk to the press. If you talk to the press, you get fired. That's a but, very standard thing on political campaigns. If you talk to the press, you get fired. Right. I'm just saying, like, I feel like for creative projects, maybe that could be a part of someone's contract. Just yeah. Not, right. So I'm just saying, like, I it, that, that, that part was— Of course they're going to be anonymous. Yeah, that's not surprising to me at all. And the fact that, like, so many people, either who are working at Bioware or have formerly worked at Bioware— wanted to speak anonymously, I think just proved that Bioware was just a flaming dumpster fire and I don't feel bad for them. Right. So there was that. There was also, like, some of the framing around um, Dragon Age Inquisition, like, how that game came about and how some of the writers came aboard to work on Anthem. And I... I don't know. I think the facts are there. I don't feel bad for... No, I don't. There's no conceivable way you could read that and say that it's a hit piece. It doesn't target an individual. It doesn't target even the studio. It targets the systematic failure of AAA game making. And they use Bioware and Anthem as an example. 
It's just that this is the most egregious example. If you read the article, it's very clear that literally in 2017, not an exaggeration, they just lied to everyone (laughs) about what Anthem was. They just (laughs) lied to us. (laughs) It's bold, man. Literally, the article says that they did not know going into E3 what game they were making. And after they saw the E3 trailer, after the developers of the fucking game saw the E3 trailer, they said, oh, that's what we're making. What the fuck? Is that Bioware magic? The fact that you can't even say the word destiny at Bioware. Yeah, that was in there too. What a culty piece of... What? Because we were like, yo, it really seems like y'all niggas did not do your research. Like, have y'all played any games that, like, came up and failed and rose from the ashes of of looting and shooting? And I guess they didn't. I don't (laughs) buy that they even... I don't buy that they even play the games that they did feel comfortable (laughs) referencing. The article was like, oh, yeah, and they don't want to be compared to Destiny, uh, but they do want to be compared to Diablo. The problem being they clearly didn't play Diablo. Yeah. And we picked up on that. Like, Jack and us had a conversation where he was like, yeah, it's a little bit more like Diablo. Like, I get that that could be where... They drew a lot of inspiration, but there's literally no way it's not going to get compared to Destiny, and it plays much more like Destiny than Diablo. Um, It's just odd to me that you wouldn't want to take all of the possible comparison points and incorporate the feedback of what happened to them into your game. I mean, that's like any creative pursuit at all. Like, you know, I make music. I don't make music in a vacuum. Right. I like it just uh I think the part that aside, I think the part that really really grinded my gears was making the game unmemeable. <laughs> I so if you played Mass Effect Andromeda like I did for too long, <laughs> uh you notice that some of the facial animations were not great. Hmm. They were buggy. Um they were funny looking and you can I'm sure look up memes for Mass Effect Andromeda online this second. It's uh, burned into my brain, the yeah. face without skin, and it's just like big eyeballs. Yep. In a anthem suit. And now <sighs> the crying Jordan anthem suit. Yes. <laughs> uh so because that was like the big I I guess honest that was the biggest takeaway from Andromeda, not the fact that the game just sucked as a whole. But you know, whatever. Uh, they wanted to make sure that Anthem was unmemeable, and they spent apparently a lot of time and money on all the facial, re- you know, all the facial stuff, because you spent every waking moment not in the suit, looking directly into someone's eyes and talking to them about nothing because <laughs> there was no story. Uh, they also talk in there <laughs> that like if you listen carefully to the dialogue, some of it just doesn't make sense because there are people or situations happening in the background that didn't make it into the game but they couldn't cut the dial they couldn't cut the dialogue or the cutscenes because they had paid so much money for the facial recognition stuff wow that's amazing i mean fuck i didn't i obviously didn't go through all, all the dialogue in the game cuz i stopped caring 
And I uh, actually did and enjoyed a lot of the story stuff in the in the fort. Um, but overall, it was it was just a disaster. It was really a disaster of a game. And um, you can tell that the game was made in like two and a half years, even though they had seven. Two and a half years, definitely made in a vacuum, which is what I literally said verbatim. Ugh. My biggest takeaway is that you cannot blame EA for this. No, that's like the weird part when people are still doing that. And I'm like, you can't read the whole piece and put all the blame on EA or even say most of the blame belongs to EA. Sure, Frostbite really sucks. However, uh, a lot of people pointed out, even though the article portrays it as Frostbite kind of being forced onto Bioware, there was a whole article that was like, no, we chose to use Frostbite. And other... Parts of EA don't use Frostbite. Like, Apex is not built in Frostbite. Right. So, like, that was clearly just their choice. Yeah. So, I think the article makes it even more generous for Bioware than actually it was. Mm. Um, The fact that they had to get a strike team from a different studio across the globe to come in and help teach them how to use this engine. Like, why the fuck didn't you just switch engines if you weren't even using any assets from any other game. They were making everything from scratch. Why not just start over in another engine? That was wild to me. I This just don't make no damn sense. It's it like a, it, sense. it was like a new property. You never did looting and shooting. You never did massively online, which ended up being like kind of online, but barely online because it was just you and three other niggas. That's it. The part of... Uh, Bioware in Austin that did online stuff, they said that they were ignored and they tried to tell them that there would be some problems with their gameplay loop. And yep. they were like, mm, mm, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. No, the it is, this is a hot mess. It's a hot, sticky mess. Um, if you followed Anthem for uh, an iota of a second, th- all this is just brought to light. Um, and Bioware had the nerve... To put out a statement. Uh, The statement essentially said... Making games is hard. Yeah. We tried really really hard. They did. (laughs) Nigga. (laughs) But Bioware magic. Making games is so hard. You can't play that narrative for two years and expect me to give a fuck. Like, they literally was at... They were literally at E3. Making games is hard. Anthem was out. Making games is hard. We realize why Anthem failed. Making games hard. It's there's no reason for any crunch on a seven year timeline <laughs> for the product that we got. There yeah. is no reason for any of the crunch. The fact that people were having mental breakdowns is unacceptable. Yeah. It's unacceptable. Yeah. And I hope that they sue the shit out of them. I really do. Like that's and every cra- other that's, game studio. That's absolutely it's unacceptable. I mean unacceptable. <laughs> You know, I think you're right when you kind of, you definitely can see this as like uh, what the problems are with the gaming industry just as a whole and how this this specific game just really amplified all of them. Right. This is like you have the worst of crunch, you have the worst of poor management, you have the worst of, you know, all these things that I'm sure like a lot of these, a lot of developers are probably reading, will probably read this piece and we're like, oh shit, this is kind of like what's going on at. 
my studio. Right. The fact that there were other games that the article pointed out that kind of like came together at the end, not even just in Bioware, but in the industry at large. Yeah. You know, that's that's really worrisome. Yeah. And if anything, I'm really hoping that we're not like giving accolades to CD Projekt Red and behind the scenes, that's what's happening there. I know, right? They're like, we're going to make the best game ever, but... I just can't see how it would be happening there because they're not even giving themselves a timeline. It's not like, okay, yeah. we have to stick to this fall timeline. No, if it was coming out in the fall, they probably would have announced it already. Yeah. I, it's just like so weird that like, because we've talked about like having these really intense deadlines and that they that these companies just make up for themselves. I don't like particularly understand why games need to be made so quickly, why they have to come out so quickly. Like there's no there's no there's no real reason for it. I mean, it's capitalism. It's we have to make as much money for our shareholders as possible. Uh it's not like they legally have to do that, but there are fiduciary responsibilities that you have as a publicly traded company, and you have responsibility to your shareholders, and part of that responsibility is making money and showing that you are running the business, quote-unquote, responsibly. Uh, the issue really is who's writing the rules for what's responsible and what does responsible mean. And in a lot of cases, in a lot of studios, they think that crunch and all this bullshit is responsible and it's not so basically the main takeaway from this Kotaku piece is that capitalism is indeed bad correct well um that is quite the takeaway from the anthem article but <laughs> as good a takeaway as any because we were kind of, i mean they deserve to be ragged on but also this is you know bigger picture stuff going on here we try to you know, got to paint with a little brush and do little details, but also broad strokes. Yeah. They matter. Well, Anthem has, like, what, another month and a half? They're releasing stuff in uh, May that's real stuff. They're releasing stuff in April. It's fake stuff. But um, they're releasing stuff <laughs> in <content>. May. <clears throat> it's all, like, cosmetic bullshit. And, like, their cosmetic rollout a few weeks ago bombed. And the, the game is just a fucking garbage fire. Uh, but Cataclysms were supposed to come out, and I just want to see what the reaction to Cataclysms is. If it's good, and people are like, okay, maybe you can like play Anthem a little bit, then I won't delete the game. But maybe all if, have been saying it's not going to be good until a year out, so... I mean, we'll see. Maybe even... Let's see if I can even do that. The fact that it's where it is after only, like, essentially a year and a half of development is kind of amazing. So maybe Bioware magic does exist. It's just that the deficit was so large <laughs> this time that they couldn't overcome it. Regardless, you know, I'm going to wait and see before I delete, but if Cataclysms come out and they do not get a good review and people are not like, oh yeah, this is good stuff, I am deleting the game and I'm not going to talk about it ever again. Damn. All I'm right. done with it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, gameplay is fun. <laughs> I'll wait for an Iron Man game. Uh, not Iron Man VR, because that... <laughs> Doo-doo. Uh, sad. It's just sad. Okay. Let's get into these past two weeks in... Nerdum. And Marvel. Um, <laughs> Shazam came out. It did. Glowing reviews. refuse to see it. I... I no. want to, and you don't want to. 
If you pay for my movie ticket, I will go see it. That's a lot to ask for a DC film. Excuse me, you're the one over there, Marvel supremacy. You never want to go see a DC movie, and now you want to go see a DC movie, and you're saying that I'm the only barrier. If you buy the ticket, I will go. That's just a high cost for entry, Nigga, and I don't trust no, the review. That is that is so unfair to me. <laughs> it's not. You're the one who refuses to see it and, and pay I for re- your own ticket. Exactly. That's if crazy. I refuse, if I refuse to see it and pay for my own ticket, you should pay for the ticket. For me to go see it. I'll buy my own soda. I'll buy my own popcorn. I don't need you for any of that. I'm a grown, independent individual. I have a job. I just don't want to pay, buy the tickets just on principle. But if you want to buy what the tickets... What is the principle, though? I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a good reason. I don't, fucking, I don't have a good reason. I don't have a good reason. Like, I don't have a good reason. I don't. I Aquaman, don't. I understand because... Honestly, it by the trailers, it looked like <laughs> trash. And I'm glad that it wasn't. And I look forward to eventually watching it. You know what? I should do like a whole DC day. I should get caught up on. Ugh. I haven't seen Wonder Woman. Ugh. I haven't seen Aquaman. A DC, a DC day. Maybe we can go and see Shazam. Should I do a ticket. montage of like all the times you shat on DC? You can talk about you it. Don't doing a whole do a whole motherfucking day. I hold all of those same opinions. I stand by them. <laughs> Marvel supremacy, <laughs> but Shazam looks cute. I feel it, like it does look cute, but not. I'm gonna go see this in the theater. Cute. <laughs> Fine, I'll go. I'll fucking go. Let's fucking go. I would like to go. Fine. Fine. Hmm. Let's go. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll report back. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch some other DC properties in that time period. No, you won't. I mean, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Um, we were also asked by a listener. This is a listener request. Oh my God. Hey, shout out to our first listener request. Technically, Sarah makes a lot of requests. That's true. So this is technically the first listener request that is not directly from Sarah. (laughs) What? This is the first listener request that was not implicitly <laughs> solicited. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is that is all up to Sarah. No, it no is. Shade. It is. Uh, Literally no shade. That's out in the desert. Absolutely no shade. Because otherwise, what would we talk about if we out in the have? sun? That's a sunny day picnic talk. Uh, wow. No clouds in that sky. I'm being serious. <laughs> no, I know it's just a lot. You just are really taking the shade metaphor to like. You're really just dragging that one out, and I was not expecting it. But anyway, here we are. Anyway. <laughs> we have been assigned. Assigned. To watch She-Ra, and we were asked why we haven't talked about it. Because um, I haven't watched it, and I it's on Netflix. I, I have is. access to it. It's just been, there's so many TV shows, and, you know, I, it, there's, I don't have a lot of time in my life right now. And I'm I actually excuses. think there's a bigger reason. Why? We have a very abstract and specific definition of nerddom. Hmm. Like, I don't ever plan on talking about Game of Thrones, for instance. Really? Well, we're going to watch it. I I was totally ready to do Game of Thrones on the on the pilot. Well, we, like, but we've also talked about Insecure. That's not necessarily, like, nerddom, right? It's a fluid definition. Um, yes, yes. So, I am... Going to watch the show. I hadn't watched it because, like, 
She-Ra, He-Man, that whole like 80s, 90s cartoon vibe. Corny as fuck. It has just not been what I watched when I was younger. That's true. My dad loved He-Man. Really? Yes. Uh, But I never remember. I remember like the He-Man dude, there was someone that kind of looks like a cat. Yes. and But I don't remember She-Ra at all. That My was, dad only... is also obsessed with those things. Mm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that he watched the new She-Ra. Oh, um, we should have him on the show. <laughs> I would love to have your father on the show. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're going to watch it and we're going to report back. Okay. Um, and thank you for the suggestion. If you, dear listener, have a suggestion, you can always hit us up on social media. We have Instagram. The social feeds. And Twitter, at GamerFriendsPod. We also have a contact page on our website if you're old school like that. And Which if way? you're semi-old school, like young millennial, I guess, okay. you can email info at GamerFriendsPodcast.com. That's true. That's where the contact page eventually goes to. So oh. <laughs> same difference, but all right. We I'm an old millennial, so I didn't assume that. Oh, <laughs> like I don't know how to set up things. <laughs> um, That's not what I meant. I know. I just like to start drama. <sighs> um, speaking of drama, oh. there are some issues going on in the Captain Marvel world that were <laughs> settled, uh, I think, today. Oh. Uh, I don't know exactly when these comments were made. Up but to the date news. <laughs> folks were upset because apparently, and I have not seen this because I have not seen the trailer, Captain Marvel is in a full face of makeup in the Endgame trailer that she's in. Apparently. Like, like B or like Scarlett Johansson makeup? Like I'm assuming makeup. Scarlett Johansson makeup because like B is not <laughs> a word. <laughs> I don't think that that's in the Marvel aesthetic unless you're Vision. That's true. He, I mean, he Vision does is contoured. He <laughs> very contoured. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, I in Captain Marvel, Brie is not. Wearing makeup at all, I don't think. And in Endgame, she is. So people were like, huh, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that a woman was involved in directing Captain Marvel and Ah. a woman was not involved in directing Endgame. And Kevin Feige was like, actually, no. We give all of our actors kind of free reign, but on a leash to have their characters look like what they interpret them to look like. Mm. Meaning... If they wanted Hulk to have a beard, they would ask Mark Ruffalo to grow a beard, but they wouldn't tell him how long the beard had to be or, like, what style of beard he eventually chose. So you're telling me the Chris Evans beard was all him? Apparently, he was just told to grow a beard, and that's what he chose to do. A genius? Well. We stand. He did do that dumb political announcement this Yes, week. he also did some centrist bullshit. Yeah, uh, so maybe not a genius. I stand... <laughs> The beard, not uh, his political affiliations. I was like speed watching Infinity War the other day, and I hated. I it. almost cried when he like he like stopped Thanos for a second, and Thanos was like, "Oh, I have to like apply a little more pressure here," and you could register the shock in his face. And I was like, "Oh my god, my baby is gonna die in Endgame." He got the oh. ever loving shit. <laughs> Yeah, you were like, he should be dead. I was dead like, right that, he is because the only reason why T'Challa 
withstood a hit. It was because his suit can do that because Shuri made it. That nigga took a hit, raw dog to the dome. Right on the jaw. Right, like, boom. That nigga did. I'm surprised the jaw wasn't dislocated. Like, I don't under... He died? I am, like, totally of... I know it doesn't make any damn sense, but I'm totally of the... Yeah, Thanos murked him right then and there, and the time stone (laughs) reversed it. Even though that theory makes no sense. I'm still like, he... When I saw that shit in theaters, I was like, that's how they gonna do Cap? He's dead? Like, that? Oh, my God! He's dead! Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. Oh, um... Okay, <laughs> let's reel this in and get back I, to the I'm point. I'm so sorry. So apparently, because Endgame was shot first, mm-hmm. Brie made the decision to, you know, wear the amount of makeup that she wore. And then as she grew into the character, it was like, fuck that. Captain Marvel wouldn't wear all this makeup. And because the solo movie was filmed afterward, had more control and, you know, didn't have a face full of makeup. So Got it. I'm waiting for the sequel or whatever other film she shows up in where she undeniably, Has a, where she undoubtedly makes a joke uh, about her lessened makeup, considering it's going from no makeup to a lot of makeup to probably no makeup again. Who knows? I don't know. I just feel like, you know, if, I let's see. Okay, so Captain Marvel took place in the 90s, yeah. right? And so Endgame is at least happening in like 2020. As, a 30-year difference. Yeah, but she's Captain Marvel. I mean, she, you know, she's allowed to do whatever the fuck she wants. I'm just saying, like, a lot of internal decisions about makeup, not wearing makeup, finding yourself, identity, blo- could have happened in that 30 years. So, like, Fair enough. It, the eyeliner is cosmic dust. It was decimated. <laughs> um, Speaking of the decimation, mm-hmm. uh, the Endgame tickets oh. have been... Secured. Uh, talk about <clears throat> stress. I think I likened it to getting Beyonce tickets stress. Uh, and it, it was, was that stressful. stressful. Um, but unlike Beyonce tickets, I actually got tickets to see Endgame. I'm very excited. It was it was stressful, but we got we secured the tickets. It was looking for a minute uh, like we weren't going to. I know. I was nervous. Or that we wouldn't to, be able to sit together. Right. Because we were just on the phone yelling at each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, Our little crew. Who's who's what 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 is going on? We are going. I thought maybe to jail. Period. Huh. But we huh. are gonna go see a game, period. And I'm very yeah. excited. Yeah, I, I feel like the fact that we got a premium four seat in a row, like little deal there was uh, a stroke of genius and luck. And so I'm I'm very grateful and very excited. And uh that means we might be able to Get a spoiler cast out, you know, as a little surprise. Maybe. I think I, out of respect, I would want to wait. Um, They could just not listen to it. I know, but like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I might want to wait. <sighs> you can wait to release it, but I'm not going to wait to record it. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> That's rude. Uh, so definitely one character we're not going to see in Endgame. <laughs> it's like, what movie? I don't know. I'm dead. Is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. I we, I'm just gonna play it. Must have been pretty crazy for you. And I don't know if you know this, but you also broke the internet this morning with another film, <laughs> Avengers <laughs> Endgame. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Did I scare I, you? I, 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 I haven't even oh looked at my, my phone. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, 
but people are like ready to see this movie. They're buying the tickets. It's nuts. I mean, how does that feel to know that they, they love this film so much? It's great, but I'm dead. <laughs> So I don't have, I can't answer any questions about that. Oh, okay. So you don't want to give us a spoiler or anything like that? I'm dead. <laughs> what about Black Panther 2? Anything? I'm dead. Tell- <laughs> okay, we're not ready for you to be back at it. I am. <laughs> well, when he looked up, he was just like, I'm dead. <laughs> I, you know, kudos to Chadwick. I'm sure uh, that put him in Don Cheadle's good favor. Unlike mm. a certain Mark Ruffalo. I saw a joke, <laughs> I think on Instagram earlier today. It was like, do you think they just snapped Peter so that way Tom Holland couldn't spoil anything? Fair he- enough. <laughs> hey, look, if I was a Russo brother, I'd be like, you know what? He got to go. I think that was actually much more because of Iron Man, though. But Oh, the, oh, <sighs> oh, 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 I know. Oh, 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 like bleeding out and holding your son figure. Bleeding out? He was dusting out. Up, what you said, bleeding out. Iron Man got stabbed. Oh, that's right, he did. I thought he was a goner. Whew. I was like, that nigga is dead. I hate that you <laughs> tell me that I'm wrong so loud. I misheard you anyway. Anyway, like we- kudos to Chadwick, a spoiler free king. Mm-hmm. We at Gamer Friends. We stand. We stand. Well, I think it's time for you to drop some music. I can drop some music like how Chadwick dropped dead. I guess we should start off by apologizing if there's any noise stuff in this segment. It's a dog. It could be a dog. It could be a friend. It could be my loud neighborhood. It could be a car. This is an afternoon recording. We don't usually do this. Right. But we have some special guests. Special guests. First official three-time guest on the pod. No one has gone Three times. No. This is very exciting. Very exciting. I love a threesome. Here, <laughs> there it is. Um, if you didn't recognize that voice, that is longtime gamer friend, Sarah with a star. And House Trotter. Hello, gamer friends. They're, they're a couple deal now. We can't just have one on the show. <laughs> yeah, they both have one of us. We're married. It's like a legal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, just purposes. very convenient, you know, when they come to visit and stay with us and it's a recording weekend. You yeah, it's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting in the bed that I slept in for the past two days. We keep it real here on Game of Friends. Yes, we're always real up front. Budget conscious. That's right. There's no frills. No frills. Any no frills. future donations <laughs> that you give are going right back into the pod. Uh. And trust me, they need it because, like, <laughs> <laughs> this current situation, I'm like, 
I will tweet a picture because <laughs> it's bad. It's bad, y'all. I'm uncomfortable. Oh no. No, it's fine. Okay. I'm just pregnant. She's pregnant. She's, She's pregnant. always uncomfortable. Ugh, little gamer, Jesus. little gamer bun in the oven. <laughs> yeah. That's don't, right. Are they gonna be a gamer? Probably. What what games do babies There's play? There's a disc in the slot. Oh. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, divorce. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. What do you do with an infant to to game? I have no idea. I guess neither. That should be like on the road too. You know, mm-hmm. it's those it's your... those like memory games and match the square with the block. Like it's that kind of leapfrog uh, okay. too. Those little leapfrog leapfrog games. You know those? Yeah, it's those might be... not be video games, but they're still games. They're still games. It'll be real educational. Yeah. So. House Trotter's goal, his stated goal when we were asked to record again, was to get a laugh out of uh, Big Nick over here. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You and can't I was say like, what I'm going to say, though. Well, I don't even It'll remember. It wasn't that memorable. But <laughs> I was like, wow, Jesus. what a goal. Um, yeah. He's just jealous because I'm so funny. That's true. Okay. Well, we'll see. I, I will either laugh or I won't. Who I just knows? want you to keep that in mind. Okay. So we're here talking about The Division 2. I'm incredibly excited to be talking about Game of the Year with all of you. Uh, Game of the Year. So we're talking to you because you are a veteran of The Division 1, House Trotter. Yes. We played a lot of Division 1 together. We did. Uh, It was before it got super, super good at the end, but, you know, you were— interested enough in the sequel, heard what I had to say about it. You dove in. We got Sarah involved in this. Cedric's played. So I just want to kind of take a big picture view of this game, really go over uh, some of the finer details that we didn't discuss in the last episode. Uh, Namely, you know, really what this whole game is about. And I figure Sarah would be the best person to ask to describe the division based on her watching a lot of it and now playing some of it. You're about to lose a lot of listeners. <laughs> um, so basically the division, from what I have gathered, is a game where you get to first start by building your character, which I love. I love a good character build. Mm-hmm. I thought the character build in The Division 2 was pretty detailed. Like, you got to change a lot of features specifically. Like, how far out their eyebrows stick. And Yeah, that's <laughs> a crucial, yeah. a crucial characteristic. It really, like, affects my gameplay. Um, and I'll, I'll probably talk more later about the character that I built. I'm very proud of her. Um, anyway, The Division, you build your character... And then, like, you're in the military or something. You have guns. um, Yeah. And you run around and, like, shoot the guns and pick up stuff to make your guns better. And I don't really know who you are or who you're fighting against, but I know that the Division 1 is in New York City, and it was pretty realistic. But the Division 2 is in D.C., and it is, like, incredibly realistic to actual D.C. Um, so that's pretty impressive. And, I don't know, some shit went down, like, a plague or something. And 
I, I really like, do not understand it at all. You just run around like shooting people. That's it. Like I don't get it. You know what? You're not wrong in any way. You're really not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I just want to call out. I think we should have Sarah back on the show to define things for us. That, <laughs> that was the perfect definition of a looter shooter. It yeah. was. You shoot actually. the guns and you pick up things to, to make, make the, the guns, guns better. better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. That, that is exactly what it is. Oh my God. Um, you know what? I think this is an unironic, perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about first, which is the fact that there's not much of a story in this game, and it's not very related to the story of the first game yeah. either. The only underpinning is the plague that Sarah mentioned. I was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess if we're going to dive into that, like, the first game was about what had happened. Like, this huge event of, like, this bio-attack. Like, finding out who did that, why they did it, how they were able to do it, mm -hmm. and, like, the immediate... Con like, you go to the site of where it's first spread from, uh, and then you also... there You know, apparently some members of the Division have gone rogue, so that's, like, it, you know, seems pretty central. Whereas this game is more about, like recapturing DC from these people who have taken it over, these various militias. And the hyenas. Not, yeah, and there's, like, plot points about that, but you don't talk about, at least as far as I've played so far, you don't talk about this event that's happened. You're just, like, dealing with the aftermath of it, more or less. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. So there's a lot of lore that you can find in the game, and okay, it'll be yeah. characters from the first game essentially updating you on what's going on. But, you know, spoiler alert, it's there's not really a continuation of that specific storyline. There was kind of a big bad in the Division One. There was Aaron Keener, a rogue division agent that you were kind of hunting and was, you know, essentially extorting you because he has the scientist that made the virus and he could potentially do more evil stuff. But the Division 2 so far has not been about that at all. What I'm interested in is how much story comes in these, you know, free content updates that they're giving everyone because they want everyone to be able to participate in the content moving forward. And their whole design philosophy, you know, out, out in the open has been, we're not so focused on the story because you know, you're going to play this stuff over and over and over again. We'd much rather you enjoy the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay of what you're doing mm. rather than, you know, be so indebted to the characters that you're, uh, you know, negotiating throughout your your campaign. And I, I think that's a very interesting trade-off in general, and I think it works for this type of game. Yeah, and there definitely, there's not a lot of, like, there are, None of the characters are really memorable, and there's not a lot of plot, <laughs> right. but there is a lot of world building. Yes. yes. And the the way that the, you know, I mean, because the I, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but the end of the game, the you do all this stuff at the beginning, and then the end of the game, this private military corporation comes and takes over Washington, D.C., and they're called Black Tusk, which is obviously like a Blackwater <laughs> reference. Right. So that is not like plot, but that's like definitely world building of like yeah. this thing has happened in the capital of the United States. It's been taken over by this, you know, private militia, basically. Exactly. I think it keeps them free to do kind of whatever they want moving forward. They don't they don't have to be tied to a specific strain in the story to bring you new content. Yeah, I think it's also perfect because, like, Destiny, I never know what the fuck is going on. I just shoot people, and then I <laughs> And that's the much guns. more important to know in yeah. Destiny. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, 
<laughs> you know, it, it it just really works. You this know? is exactly why I hate this game. There's no story. <laughs> but you liked, I, I actually think that this is similar to Zelda in that. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> hot takes, hot takes. But we were, so uh, Big Nick and I were watching some of the found footage, which is really where a lot of story stuff takes place. Yeah, it's a lot of fucked up. They're pretty fucked up videos. It's like basically <laughs> the game developers were like, what if this game world was real? What would it actually look like? Terrifying. And it would be terrifying because there's like fucking suicide bombs. Bombers, you know. Everyone yeah. dies. Yeah. All the but, videos. But that's Zelda. A lot of the story is just told through these cutscenes that you find that are just mm. screwed about the map. And it's not like, you know, it's it's just, yeah, it's like flashbacks, basically. You could potentially skip all of that in Zelda because if yeah. you're strong enough to be Ganondorf, you go and be Ganondorf. You just go and do it. Right. Which I've done. Congratulations. <laughs> I also think it's funny uh, every time that y'all come on the show, we talk, you talk about <laughs> Zelda. We mentioned Zelda. <laughs> okay. not, not a time that you've never mentioned Zelda. Zelda is game of the year every year. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. But also, it's like a very, this is like a very systems game. Like, it's about the loot yes, yes. Yes. system and like the moment-to-moment gameplay systems, which which also Zelda is a systems game. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Whatever technical nonsense you're spewing to try and compare The Division <laughs> 2 to Zelda is baloney because <laughs> the division, like the reasons why I love Zelda, if you go the opposite, that's why I don't like The Division and games like The Division yeah. because mm. it's really, and I know that's why like you and a lot of people love it, which is fine, but it's like really realistic in terms of like, what it actually looks like, you know, it's like real people and like actual guns and like that kind of realism in the game. And you're walking around like actual Washington, D.C. and that kind of thing. A little too much. It's a little too much for me. I want, I go to games and I like gaming because of the fantasy element. And that's why I love Zelda. And that's also why I've gotten really into, per your recommendation, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Woo! And I understand that that's game also like... Pretty, I mean, yeah, game of the year. Pretty realistic as well, but it's like historical and it's right, historical yeah. fiction, and there are fantasy elements to the Assassin's Creed storyline also. So that's to me a little, it's not the same like realisticness that yeah. you have with like The Division or even like Call of Duty or something. The Division, mm. Big Nick and I were talking about this, like The Division is plausible enough. That is kind of frightening when you like start to think about it. <laughs> yeah. For example, like the robots that run around are very obviously modeled on the Boston Dynamics bipedal robots. <laughs> right. And like I remember when we oh, first saw the little like they kind of like half dogs. Yeah, the ones yes. half dogs. Oh, they're in there. They're yes. in that game. And I, I remember. To that. I remember when we oh, first saw videos of those robots on Twitter. All, all of us were immediately like, everybody on the internet was like, oh, these are going to be used to kill people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then this game. <laughs> Probably me. Yeah. And then this game. Like makes them real, and yeah. oh my, no, because you saw it, it, you kicked it, he kicked it, and it got and right, it got right back up. And that's and what it these was things like, do. I'm ba- <laughs> Except oh. they have guns on them. Oh no! Yeah. And that's the oh, thing about this game is no. they they oh, talk about no. how this, and then maybe that's a segue into they talk about how this game is not political. And I was comparing this game to Metal Gear Solid Four. Who says this game isn't political? Mm. Well, the the developers say it's not a political game. 
And also, there's a segment of the gaming population that is really committed to the idea that you can build a game about the capital of the United (laughs) States and have it be apolitical. (laughs) And literally, the president is it? You saw that mission with the president where you airlift, the president gets airlifted (laughs) by a fucking ladder hanging from a helicopter. (laughs) It's the dumbest shit in the world. I didn't get to this part yet, and I would have appreciated a Spoiler alert and bleeps. <laughs> like, as you were talking, just be like, and you bleep the bleep you, bleep. Yeah, I'm sorry. You bleep the bleep. Okay, literally, it's, okay. it's so dumb. I walked in and watched <laughs> this moment happen and was like, what? And then I left. Like, ugh. Also, just to be clear, I love this game and I do think, I genuinely think that it is an incredible piece of work and art. Yeah, me too. Um, however, it is so barely a spoiler that the president gets airlifted out of a mission because it is so inconsequential yeah. <laughs> within within like 20 minutes after yeah. that yeah not not because of another spoiler but just because of how the game does not care about story in that way yeah. but anyway um you know to your point ben the developers and a lot of the community are just adamant that there's nothing political about this and it's just so it's so obviously it's so obviously saying something even if it's not what the developers intended yeah i don't know that they're necessarily lying when they say that they intended it to be apolitical but it's just it's not it's not an apolitical game even just the thought of like saying oh i'm apolitical or this is apolitical there is politics within that because it's like who has the privilege to (laughs) be like oh this is completely apolitical I don't see race class blah 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 or like I can create this thing completely out of a societal context no you you can't it doesn't that's not how it works it's the most absurd thing I've heard like I think that's so funny I think it's impossible for basically anything to be apolitical but this game I barely as you can tell know anything about this game and like (laughs) It's so clearly like political in, and you can probably interpret that in a lot of ways. But yeah. like, that's really weird. It's not about partisan politics, but it's about the way right. the world is, and that's political. But I would like I was thinking about comparing this game to Metal Gear Solid Four because there are a lot of things that are similar to Metal. You know, Hideo Kojima is like obviously a very politically aware person, and like he makes the mm-hmm. Metal Gear games with real world politics and real world. You know, like Metal Gear Solid Two is like about postmodernism, but Metal Gear Solid Four has these private military corporations fighting against each other. It has these weird bipedal robot things. And it also has a plot with like a virus. And that game was made, I guess, 10 years ago at this point. And it was, you know, they were trying to say something by making that game. Mm -hmm. This game is more just kind of depicting, it's kind of like a dumb guy interpreting, oh, like this is what the world is. Like here are these robots, (laughs) like obviously, like we have drones. So these would be like, you know, these mechanized killing machines. Or like we all, we were talking about this. We walk around New York City and you can go to like Times Square or to Grand Central Station and you see cops dressed up like the people in the private military corporations in this game are dressed like, mm-hmm. right? They're carrying assault rifles. They have, you know, they've got the plate carriers and the thigh holster and all the tactical gear and their helmets. You know, that is, you know, you don't have to imagine much to imagine these private military corporations dressed the same way walking around the nation's capital. Like that's that's a real thing that's happening right now. Yeah, I I think in particular it's a little eye-opening for for them to say that it is not political because part of the whole deal in the game 
in the backstory for one of the main characters, Agent Kelso, one of the only remaining Division agents when you arrive into the city at the very beginning, she is on the phone being recruited into the Division. And what sinks her, like what, what really grabs her attention and what gets her to agree is that in the event of an emergency, she would be given extrajudicial authority. And that is what rang her bell, right? And I, I think that that is saying something about not only this, you know, idea of a secret paramilitary organization that is able to be activated in the event of some kind of natural or man-made disaster, but also the idea that they already know they would need to have extrajudicial authority. And if you're an apolitical game and you're trying to stay above board, why wouldn't you propose a world in which what you're doing is incredibly and entirely within the confines of the law? And the reason why you can't do that is because in the first game, you set the precedent that unarmed or lightly armed looters are worthy of shooting dead in the middle of the street without any due process. <laughs> like, you've already established a world where we went around New York City and basically executed people who are, you know, On playing site. a little rough with the fact that the city is falling apart and they've been quarantined on an island to die. Like, that's a little different than even the rioters or, you know, uh, the LMB, the Last Man Battalion. Like, those were at least organized and had a hierarchy and were, like, you know, causing some kind of mayhem. Literally, a faction in the first game is just called rioters. That is, to me, you know, a statement about where we are in the world and what some people think is accessible and admissible. And, you know, I don't take it lightly that this is probably my favorite franchise now, but it's also got some really horrific, like, underpinnings in terms of what makes it plausible and what makes it realistic. I mean, in real life, like, law enforcement did ride around and shoot and kill rioters just on site. Like, that's a, that's a right, thing that Katrina, happens. Right, after Katrina, it's on paper that that happened. Yeah, like a, and that was a, that was a uh, private military corporation that went into, went into Los, uh, uh, New Orleans after Katrina. I mean, this is not, it, it's plausible in a lot of different ways, but mostly because a lot of it's already happening. To depict a lot of stuff that's already happening and just embellishing and then trying to say that you're not making a statement or that there's no statement to be made is just absurd on its face. You know, the even the whole group that is within the game, the division is based on this like Directive 51 that the president gives. That's based on a real thing that was done during 9-11. There was this whole continuity of government procedure that... I was wondering how long it would take for you to talk about <laughs> For me to bring this in, to bring in 9-11, but... <laughs> But, you know, the uh, the Eisenhower administration built this continuity of government thing. And under Reagan, they had plans, Rex 84, to, like, detain dissenters in the event of some national emergency. Uh, and then, obviously, after 9-11, you know, they activated pieces of that continuity of government plan. So that's, that's like, it's happened. In the event of an emergency, the government does these extrajudicial things. And if you're depicting that in a video game, that's a, I mean, whether you like it or not. It's apolitical. A, it's a political. <laughs> it's not I mean, political. I also just, this game is just so realistic. It's real people using real military gear and clothing and stuff. And in a real city in the White House, like just that alone makes it political, let alone whatever you're doing in the game. It's just so real. 
I think there's also moments in the story um, where you are purposefully instructed to look at things. And so it'll pop up, like, press this button to look at this thing. And in one of the missions, it's not the Newseum mission, which they don't call Newseum. I forget what they call it. Um, the Newseum is closing. Did you hear? I did hear. Oh, it's tragic. kind of, it's it's sad that it got depicted in, like, this one-to-one <laughs> recreation of DC and that has a whole mission dedicated to it, and now it's not going to be there anymore. Anyway, um... <laughs> I forget what museum it's in, but you essentially walk around a corner and then it instructs you to look at an American flag. Oh, yeah, the American History Museum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you rem- do you remember what it says on the flag? It says peace through strength. <laughs> Which is something that Reagan said. Yikes. Right. It's something that, it's something that Reagan said in the context of the Cold War. And it was all about his military buildup. Oh. And yeah, like it's a game mechanic. They tell you to press a button. So that you can look at that statement above the American flag. We got Reagan quotes. We got Reagan quotes in this I, game. Oh, but it's apolitical. But it's apolitical. But it's apolitical. Also, there's literally other places in the game where they have you fighting in recreations of, for instance, the Vietnam War. You know, as you said, Ben, like they put that in the game. Yeah, they made they somebody <laughs> somebody sat down and made all the art assets for you know the, the Vietnam War does not exist in this video game. They had to make all that stuff, and that was a decision to make that and to have you fight a battle in there. Yeah. So the idea that they just did everything unwittingly or what have you, I, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't seem to fly with me. And I think the biggest piece of evidence of all is that the marketing itself was very much like. You have to take back DC. And they and it seemed kind of like they were playing off of Donald Trump and the presidency and trying to play to these like liberal sympathies. And now that the game's out, they're kind of like, okay, gamers, like it's apolitical. Don't worry about it. Just shooting loot. <laughs> War is very famously apolitical. So. <laughs> right. What I've- I think is interesting, give like given all of this stuff that y'all have talked about. Ben was saying to me the other day about some of the other realistic elements that he thinks are interesting. So maybe you could talk about that, like about what the characters look like and like who's represented in the game and who's in charge of leading various things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I do think it's really interesting. The So first off, all of and this is kind of just a trend in in video games in general, but um, all of the marketing for the game uh, is is very racially diverse. And for example, like the icon for the game when you go into it at Xbox is a white guy. Uh, is there a white woman and then a black guy in the in the icon? I think it's presumably a white woman, but I guess it could also be like a Latinx woman or yeah. an Asian woman because okay. you're looking at the back of their heads. And the characters within the game are also very racially diverse. Like there's, for example, there's a lot of black women represented, which I think is one of the most realistic things in the game. Because like, let's be real, if DC <laughs> crumbled to shit like this, who would be in charge organizing everything. It would yeah, I mean, statistically <laughs> there would be a lot of black people and there are a lot of black people in this game. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Manny Ortega is the name of the guy who's like in charge of the division in DC. Um, the leader of the first settlement is a black woman. Um, a lot of the people that you recruit to like mm-hmm. help you in the White House the are doctor. people of color mm-hmm. and women. Um and then even the villains are, uh, you know, very diverse. There's a lot of female villains. Yeah. Uh, and 
There's a black villain, uh, a black guy who's in charge of the True Sons, you know, which mm. doesn't mean anything. Like, you know, it's not... I, I don't think they're trying to make a political statement by being diverse. I think they're just reflecting what reality would be, which is that they're talking about a lot of military and law enforcement institutions that have crumbled apart and are reforming themselves. A lot of those people are black and brown. Yeah. And it's DC, which is a very ethnically diverse city. Like, I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. And even if it wasn't, even if they're like making it up, it's fine. I think the decision is political because they know that there are going to be people who are upset about it. Yeah. And if they didn't do it that way, they know that there would be people who are upset about it. So they made a choice, you know? A political one. (laughs) It's apolitical. (laughs) The other thing I guess I'll say is, like, I, overall, I really like this game a lot. Um, And I actually think that the politics, because they just depict something that's very realistic, they Mm -hmm. end up hitting very close to the mark. Um, You know, Mm. very famously, Tom Clancy when he wrote Dead of Honor, Dead of Honor, and this is a spoiler for a like, 30-year-old Tom Clancy book. <laughs> spoiler! <laughs> but, in, but in Dead of Honor, at the very end, um, the U.S. Gets, has gotten into a war with Japan. I used to be a big Tom Clancy fan when I was a kid, so I've, I've read all these books. How am I um, not surprised? <laughs> but, uh, but at the end of Dead of Honor, the, this guy, because um, the U.S. had been in a war with Japan, this Japanese pilot crashes a commercial 747 into the capital and kills, like, during the State of the Union, um, and kills the entire government. Uh, you can just say, oh, that's just like a Tom Clancy techno thriller book, but it, you know, it's a very political thing. Like, I've, uh, So in the same way, this game, because it just depicts sort of a, a pretty plausible reality with these, you know, death robots that we all can already see being used for military purposes, <laughs> with these private military corporations coming into American cities, which is a real thing that's happened in the past in New Orleans, as we just talked about. Uh, I I kind of like the way that this game is laid out, <laughs> even though the developers say it's not political. It's like political by default. Yeah, and I think that's true of any cultural product. You, I mean, mm-hmm. even you know, Marvel movies are reflective of the politics of the real world, just because the people who make them exist in the real world and kind of filter all that information through their heads, even if they're not thinking about it. Sidebar, part of the reason why I wanted to see Captain Marvel is because I want to know if you agree that it's an allegory for Palestine and Israel. (laughs) (laughs) I will, okay. I will check it out. I will check it out. Because I think it is. Um, Anyway, I want to throw it back to Sarah because she has a lot of wonderful things to say about the, the human aspect of this game, namely her character and the backstory that she's created for her. Okay, so if you're going to play a game and like have a good time, you need to, I think, like I said, invest in a story. And I had to create that for this game because it doesn't fucking exist. So, oh my God. I created my character. Um, and here's the thing I loved that at the beginning, it was like, what was the phrasing? It was like, select body style or body yes, type or they something. They don't call it gender. Yeah. They call it select body type or, or like, something like something that. Something like that. Mm. It's very um, interesting. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. I will take the one that I interpret as female. And then I modeled her after myself, obviously. And duh. Yeah, duh. Um, you know, her eyebrows like are perfect. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's where you all agree. Like, yeah, you have perfect eyebrows. Yes, um, they're wonderful. I couldn't make her pregnant, as far as I know. 
<laughs> but okay. You can role play. <laughs> yeah. Division role play. Why can't pregnant women be on the front line? There's no, there's no reason for them not to be. <laughs> wow. Anyway, create my character. She's wonderful. She's amazing. Division agents are workers. <laughs> Jacobin. Division agents are workers. I will get... It's extrajudicial paramilitary. I know there's a way to, like, take a picture of a thing when you're playing the game. I don't know. There's like a, I don't know. Yeah. We'll screenshot. put a screenshot. We'll put a screenshot of her in the in the show yeah. notes. Yeah, <laughs> she's cool. Um, um one, but, sorry, one moment. Ben, only Nick and I can talk about the show notes. I'm sorry. Oh, I'll wow. send you. I'll, I'll send you a photo <laughs> for us. But thank you. I just wanted to put that out there. Thank wow. Could you? <laughs> I have. Serious? I have some notes for your show notes. Um, <laughs> Okay, so my character, her name is Geneva Fletcher. Um, she, I'm sorry, did you have something to say about that? No, I love that name. <laughs> it is. He's just so excited. It is, it is a wholesome name. Okay, so Geneva Fletcher. Um, her parents named her Geneva after the, the Geneva Accords. Mm-hmm. Um, and her parents are like really peaceful. Those set the rules for war, if you, you're not familiar with those. No, but... <laughs> I don't know what the Geneva Accords are. Um. <laughs> no, they're they're like a, you know they 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 say you can't mistreat POWs and you can't use certain weapons that are like going to be destructive in certain ways. So yeah, they're okay. Well, whatever. Her parents were dumbasses and <laughs> named her after this, but they're like really they're like hippies. They were like all about peace. They didn't allow like toy guns in the house, like that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Their worst nightmare is what Geneva is right now, which is <laughs> this like agent of war um, and violence. And um, she like obviously, you know, always had that kind of like edge to her and like wanted to rebel against like, like why can't I have a toy gun? Like, fuck you, mom and dad. So. That's how she ended up where she is now. And she really struggles like with an internal conflict of like, should I be shooting people right now? Which explains my gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my God. Because, like, you know, she'll be crouching or sometimes not because I forget what button it is um, behind stuff and, like, shooting people. But, like, she misses a lot. And I think it's on purpose because she feels guilty about, like, killing you know what? I think that's a great explanation for all the times I miss as well. <laughs> and I'm I'm supportive of this. That was yeah. so much so much drama, so much conflict built into that character. You really um you really did that. Yeah. Yeah. I um, spent a good 25 minutes playing this game. I got to the White House, which I guess is like a base or something. I don't know. There was people there. I talked to them. I got bored. I stopped playing the game. Okay. So. Wow. Um, Can't wait to see you back on the battlefield. <laughs> um, Geneva. Yeah. Recruit Geneva for your... Clan. Like, the clan. Oh, clan. I was yes. Like, I was like, troop. Sidebar, thing. if you are playing the Division 2, we do have a pretty poppin' clan. There's like 30-something people in it's there right 40, now. last I saw. It's up to 40? Yeah. Wow. Okay, we're, we're growing awesome. exponentially. Please join. We got the uh, weekly two cash. We are really close to being able to get the weekly three. If you know what that means, definitely join. So uh, and it's I just, just going to say, can you explain what the hell that is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, much like Destiny 2 kind of 
let you be rewarded for being in a clan. It's not just an organizational tool. It's also a, a way to funnel loot to you. The Division 2 is no exception, except it's a little bit more robust. So the person who earns the most experience every week is like the clan member of the week, for instance. And if all of the clan members together earn X amount of experience, the first threshold being 72 million experience points, then you get a cash. And you can level that cash up three times depending on how much experience you earn. And I believe if you get over 120 million, I think it is, then you earn level three. We came really close to level three last time, last week. Um, and we are, I think, about to hit level two uh, already for this week. So, so I feel like good. it's it's a long ways from just scrambling to put, you know, six people together to play Destiny. And now look at us. No, we are thriving. We're 30, flirty, and thriving. You mean 40? 40. 40. <laughs> oh, Cute. My God. Thank you. <laughs> so I know you guys need to leave soon. Uh, we won't hold you. Uh, but I will say, you know, Cedric, you made it into the mid game. Ben, you're almost at the end game. Uh, how are you just feeling in general about, you know, what you've been playing? I, I know that it's all positive, but any specifics that you want to share? Is end game like a specific term in gaming about some like the end of the game? Yeah. So once you hit max level, it's the stuff that you can do at max level to keep you playing. Uh, it's usually some kind of loop that, you know, gets you coming back every week, depending on the type of game. Some games are single player games that do have an end game, but it's, you know, less robust and it's not meant to be a permanent, ever evolving live service. So are the Avengers gamers? <sighs> Almost definitely. That, that was an endgame movie reference. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, I um, the division two is great. I'm upset that I can't play it more yet. Yet, because I'm busy. I'm so busy. Near graduate. Oh, so close. I can taste my degree holder <laughs> made out of pleather. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> it's called vegan leather. We don't say pleather. It's tacky. Vegan leather? <laughs> yeah, vegan leather is like the cool way to say it. Oh, okay. Out of vegan leather. Yeah. No one argue with me about this. <laughs> um, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I do one thing I wish. I wish the music was better. Mm. I feel hmm. like the music is not epic enough. Sometimes I'm like, yeah. Everyone's getting shot. Oh my god. And you know, the music is a little lackluster for me. I've hmm. noticed. Which is fine. I could just pop something in on the Spotify. Interesting. You know. Or Apple Music. Did you ever see that movie Contagion? <laughs> oh, not Apple Music. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, it was a movie also, obviously, about a, a kind of a plague or an outbreak. Oh, that was a show. Was it a movie? I feel like there's been literally a million movies yeah, about this. Well, yes. But, but yeah. that movie in particular had was a Soderbergh movie, and that had a soundtrack that is very reminiscent of this one. Was it bad? Like, was it like... It's like very low-key synth. Like, um, yeah, I want, sometimes yeah. sometimes it's fine, but sometimes I just want... Yeah. But other than that, I mean, that's, that's such a, a small complaint. The sound design is amazing. Oh, my God. I, f I really feel like I'm in the world. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Those crunchy footsteps. They, are, yeah. Right? Exactly. Crunchy footsteps. The shit, machine I mean. whirring. How it's localized. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, really? Like, in this space? I can't. I'm going to get a surround set up upstairs. 
I'm mm. doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. And I just can't wait to, like, play this game this round. I'm just like, oh, my God. That's also why I don't like it. Like, I have sometimes had to be like, excuse me, it's 2 a.m. Can you please turn the volume down? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, uh, you're supposed to put the headset in, man. The scariest thing about it is the heavy breathing and screaming that the suicide bombers oh do as they God, approach they you. It's so it frightening. Is, yeah, no, it's bad. It's so <laughs> um, Especially when you watch that found footage video of yeah. the suicide bomber, Holy and then you shit. picture that every single time these guys run out at you. Yeah, yeah. It's so fucked up. The game is wild. Uh, ben, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I played the first game pretty extensively, and I think the thing that I liked the most about that game was the kind of art direction for the world in particular. Like, that Division One open world is one of the most realistic-looking. And this yeah. game, like, I lived in D.C. for a summer, and there's places that I walk around in this game, and I'm like, oh, shit, like, I know where I'm standing right now just based on the fact that it looks like where I've been. So that game, this game really keeps that. And then the other thing it adds is just the loot. Um, the loot is just the, the whole way that that loot cycle works now is so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've kind of learned a lot of stuff from games like Diablo in particular, which had hmm. serious issues and kind of fixed itself. Yeah, they they made a looter shooter and learned. Excuse me, hold on, other hold on. Games you can you can learn from what other people have done and apply it to your own game. Yeah, it's the process. You see events and you interpret them through your senses, and then apply <laughs> lessons from those experiences to new things that you accomplish. I don't think that process is a thing that has been heard of in Edmonton. We are not going to get into this right now. <laughs> it, is, it is weird that Ubisoft is like, you know, Bioware is shit now. <laughs> Ubisoft is, is like, 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 like a Ubisoft Phoenix. somehow. Ubisoft as The Division 2 right now. Uh, Watch Dogs 2 was really solid. Assassin's Creed Odyssey was nominated for Game of the Year last year and a bunch of different things. Watch Dogs Rainbow Six Siege. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot going on in the Ubisoft world. That's even beyond what I just stated. Hits and after hit. I'm I'm just, so proud of them. They got that Just Dance, too. That's a great series. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who has ever complained about Just Dance? Nobody. Exactly. Also, sidebar, Watch Dogs 3, they announced it? I, I think so, cool. yeah. Apparently, someone was like, it's going to happen in London. Maybe it's a rumor, but I I saw some 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 mumblings Watch about such. Anywho. Yeah. The other, I guess the other thing I'll round off with is that the, um, you know, Big Nick and I, when when we were playing the Division One at the very beginning, it was just really not rewarding to play, and it just wasn't fun to play. They didn't really nail it the way I think that they did towards the end. Mm. Um, and so we started playing Diablo three, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and but mostly because we had heard from people that Diablo three was like really bad at the beginning, and then sort of had this revitalization, Loot two point I guess there's like a video about it. Um, but the problem with Diablo three is that the moment to moment gameplay is really boring. <laughs> You're just basically clicking stuff to make different actions happen. Um, whereas this has really fun, engaging, moment-to-moment gameplay. Like, the AI is way smarter than it was in the first game. So much smarter. You get oh flanked God. all the time. Motherfuckers. They still have, like, the infinite-range shotguns, which are really annoying, well, but there's kind of no other way for AI to compete, I guess. Yeah, you know, games can't be perfect. Yeah. Okay. But it's but it's very it's very enjoyable. It reminds me of another Ubisoft game, uh, Splinter Cell Conviction, which was hmm. a quasi stealth game that was mostly a third person shooter, cover based shooter. And there's a lot of things like, for example, in that game, they would spot you in one spot, and then you could move kind of sneakily, and they would keep shooting at the first spot you were in. And I've noticed that happen in this game a couple times. Like they'll keep shooting at where I was. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. They've they have kind of 
figured out how to get this gameplay itself down, mm -hmm. uh, which combine that with a good loot system and a very engaging world map full of things to do, and you just end up wanting to play a lot. Yeah, even uh in World Tier 5, which I am at now, which is the final endgame thing, uh, they're just drip-feeding even more content into the game uh, over time, which I really appreciate. And I think the biggest plus to this overall is that I can take a break from it, not play for a day or two, and not feel like I have missed everything because it's easy enough to get caught up. It's really much more about optimization. And I like not feeling like a, a game is my job or my second job, and sometimes Destiny felt like that, even though what I was doing was fun. And The Division is incredibly fun, but I know already that I can take a break from it and you know, not miss a ton of stuff and, and feel okay. Um, and I, I love that freedom, which is like kind of sad to say, but whatever. Mm. It's a very jump in, jump out kind of thing. Right. You know, you're not going to miss anything. Uh, and if you do, you can just play for a few hours, get caught up, and then you're good to go. That's how a game should be. Okay, well, thank you so much for returning for a third time, Sarah, a second time, Ben. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. We love you. Yay, we love you too. Well, that was a show. That was a show. Uh, you should tell your gamer friends, probably. Tell your gamer friends? Yeah. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, platform of choice. Those were not full sentences, but you Wherever get a picture. Wherever you get your podcasts. Look, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's funny. Ever since you made fun of me for doing that, I like was working <laughs> on a trailer for another project that I was doing, and I did some mock vocals for it. I said, podcasts. You can't say podcasts. <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts. Because it sounds like you're saying one podcast. And I mean all of them. It's I, difficult. I get it. I get it. You're not wrong. You're not incorrect. It's just so hilarious. Like, I'm a snake. Listen to podcasts. There was a good one that I heard from some other podcast that was like... Uh, and wherever you get your content or something your audio like content. That. Um, I also can say that I sounded like a snake because I used to have a lisp as a child. So hmm. I'm just putting that out there. Well, we've gone a little off the rails here, but we hope you enjoyed this episode. And we hope that you enjoyed us being kind of on time. And we'll be back with you in two weeks. Two weeks. Deuces. Bye. I do have some follow-up from something we mentioned in our last visit to this podcast. Oh. Um, but maybe you could put it at, like, the end of the show or something. Make show notes <laughs> suggestions. <Go ahead>. <laughs> Editorial <laughs> suggestions. I'm Go just right saying. ahead. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, well, last time that House Trotter and I were on the show, we mentioned that we were going to be going to Japan and that oh, that's right. We had, you know, we had some plans that involved some of our gaming um, loves, including Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to follow up and say that it was amazing. And getting a reservation at the Pokemon Cafe in the Pokemon Center in Tokyo was brilliant. So you're welcome. And. <laughs> it was it was just so much fun because so there's a giant store with like all kinds of 
exclusive Pokemon merchandise that you can only buy there. Um, someone came around and asked if anyone in our party like had a birthday coming up. Um, and it was Ben's birthday it week. It was. So they obviously checked his identification to make sure he wasn't lying. <laughs> and then gave him a Pokemon birthday crown and some kind of like something mm-hmm. for Pokemon Let's Go. Like some kind of... And it, most importantly, they gave me a coupon. So I bought for stuff the, for cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Which was nice. Love a coupon. Can you um, imagine a 27-year-old man lying that it was his birthday <laughs> at the Pokemon Center? I, absolutely. I can imagine a 50-year-old man yeah, that's true. going to Tokyo yeah. and lying. And that's why that's, that uh, identification system is in place. Well, I'm so glad that y'all had so much fun over there yeah. and got to go to the Pokemon Center. It in was, Tokyo. It was very cool. Um, all of the food and everything was themed, and you got to order a latte. And then, like, they had a whole menu of all the Pokemon characters, and you picked, you know, put in the number for which character you wanted imprinted on top I of your Venusaur. latte. I got Eevee. Oh, good choices, good choices. Yeah. Classic, classic choices. Um, you, you, you. What are you? We're mi- old millennials. Old millennials. Well, we're like, uh, middle, we're middle, middle millennials. millennials. <clears throat> you you mid millennials. You're upsetting grandpa. Um, <laughs> Jordan's a young exer. Don't let him lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other like gaming related thing that we did was in Osaka. We went to a video game bar. Yes. Um, which turned out to be like all Americans. Yep. <laughs> Even Shocking. the person, like the bartender, was an American. Um, but it was so much fun. It was tucked away in this pretty, like, vibrant part of downtown Osaka. Yeah, and the- you like go up this skinny staircase, and they have all of these old gaming systems set up and newer ones too. But it, they just had like everything, and it was so much fun. We hmm. played some Goldeneye. We didn't get to play Perfect Dark, but we, oh, we did play some Goldeneye. Oh boy. <laughs> And we played, um, we played Smash Bros. on the N64. Yeah, N64. Yeah. It was really great. So, Man. highly recommend. Jealous. I guess we'll have to go sometime. <laughs> we have to go to Japan. We have to go to Japan. Uh, make a make a whole podcast episode. About donate it. to the pod now to find <laughs> a trip to Japan. <laughs> the link is no. Okay, we don't have a donation link. We just I'll make out. one for you. You should put it in show notes. I know you're taking notes on show notes. <laughs> <laughs> 